Where were you on the day time stood still? Today marks the 21st anniversary of the September 11th attacks on America. Many of us lost friends, colleagues, and loved ones that day. Others still suffer enduring scars, both physical and mental, which are constant reminders of the acts of cowardice that altered our nation's fiber, stripped us of so very many of our freedoms, and forever changed our perceptions of the American way of life. Many of you listening were too young to remember what happened that day, and far too many who vowed they would never forget have done just that. Aside from those who witnessed the events firsthand, and the families of those loved ones who were killed and maimed that day, it seems our collective memories, like bumper sticker platitudes, have all but faded away. My production team and I have been digging through what's left of the archives of that day to bring you a, well, let's just say, not-so-subtle reminder. It's a short audio documentary we're calling Innocence Lost, The Day Time Stood Still. I encourage you to share it with your friends and with your children and your children's children in the years to come. Let it serve as a record of truth which has all but been eroded in our current era of censorship and political correctness. But I warn you, this piece is raw, real, filled with emotion, and completely uncensored. Like much of life, it's not for the faint of heart. So listener discretion is advised. And now, Counterthink Media, in cooperation with Gun For Hire Radio, presents Innocence Lost. The day time stood still. Miles and miles of sunshine today, nice as it could be across the northeast. Uh, rough seas still uh, from, uh, uh, from the chop from that hurricane, but other than that, it's kind of quiet around the country. We like quiet. It's quiet. It's too quiet. Around 8.45 a.m., the people along the west side of Manhattan heard a piercing whine of a jumbo jet making its way down the Hudson River. 
those who witnessed the scene instinctively realized everything about it was wrong. Heading down an airway normally reserved for northbound VFR traffic, it was much too big, traveling much too fast, and much too low. Nearly 500 miles per hour, at an altitude of just 900 feet, more than twice the speed permitted for an aircraft flying that low. It took less than 90 seconds for American Flight 11 to travel the entire length of the island of Manhattan. A little after 8.46 a.m., the huge aircraft weighing 283,600 pounds, traveling at 465 miles per hour, carrying approximately 10,000 gallons of fuel, flashed across the remaining 20 blocks from Canal Street to the World Trade Center. And tore through the massive North Tower between the 93rd and 99th floors, killing all on board and wreaking incomprehensible carnage across the six full floors of the building. I heard the bang. I thought it was thunder. So he goes, look outside. I looked outside. I said, holy, it looks like a plane hit it or something. Battalion Chief Pfeiffer made the first official report. We have a number of floors on fire. It looked like the plane was aiming towards the building. Transmit a third along. We'll have the staging area at Vesey and West Street. As we swung around in front of World Trade, my mind tells me, wow, this is, this is bad. The impact severs 47 of the building's critical perimeter support columns and damages another two. Rivers of burning jet fuel pour out of the severed wings down the elevator shafts to the floor below, incinerating anything and anyone caught in its path. Smoke, fire, and wreckage, cutting off all escape routes for those in or above the impact zone. Although all the levels were designed to be smoke and fire resistant, blindingly thick plumes of acrid smoke ripped their way through the remaining upper floors in minutes, making it almost impossible for those trapped inside to see or breathe. Witnesses on the upper floor of the South Tower were stunned to see a wall of flames burst through the windows of the North Tower less than 130 feet away, followed by a shower of disintegrated desks, files, computers, airplane parts, and burning bodies. If you were in the floors below, you saw the ceilings cave in. You saw the glint of the airplane as it impacted the building, and you felt the shockwaves ripple through the building as it physically moved off axis, swaying over 20 feet in each direction. Close to the impact zone, there were people who lived for long, horrific minutes as they sought refuge from the smoke and flames and scorching heat. Many, in the last few moments of their lives, had the presence of mind to phone their loved ones or made desperate calls for help that would never come. Oh, my grandmother's gone. 
By 8.55, an army of firemen, police, emergency service personnel, and government officials, including the mayor himself, were rushing to the scene in Lower Manhattan. They were followed by another army, of almost equal size, of television news crews, cameramen, photographers, and reporters as the apparatus of the largest media operation in the world focused their attention on the events unfolding in a small 16-acre plot of ground in the largest city in America. At 9.02 a.m., little more than 15 minutes after the initial attack, while millions of people in the New York metropolitan region and tens of millions of television viewers across the world were staring intently at the smoldering icon of the New York skyline. A dark shape appeared over the skyline of New Jersey and came hurtling across the Statue of Liberty in the Upper Bay. Freelance cameraman Steve Vigilante captured those astounding next few moments on tape. Holy shit, man. No! That's 
the other building. That's terrorist. The other building? That's terrorist, bro. That's fucking terrorist. Holy According to Seismic Records, at precisely 9.02.54, as millions watched, United 175 slammed into the South Tower, cutting a swath through floors 77 to 85 of the 110-story building, instantly killing all on board, and over a hundred more inside as it tore its way through. By then, the first teams of firefighters and emergency workers had already arrived at the base of the North Tower, where they were greeted by a scene of horror and devastation that defied the imagination. On the Austin Tobin Plaza, there were burning corpses everywhere. The mangled bodies of men and women that had already fallen or jumped from the upper floors of the building, and the charred remains of the passengers of Flight 11, some still belted in their seats. 1,000 feet above, in the upper reaches of the towers themselves, there was a clearly marked delineation between life and death. In the North Tower, the plane struck in the center, and because the burning jet fuel went immediately down the shafts, it created a more intense and fiercely smoky fire. Those trapped on the floors above were cut off from any hope of escape. And because they had nowhere to go, People broke out windows, desperate to get air. People were stacked four and five high, hanging out of the windows, just trying to breathe. Others, having already climbed out of the windows, clung to each other and to the metal on the outside of the building. And then, one by one, to the absolute horror of those looking on, they began to fall and jump their deaths. About 15 minutes ago, bodies started dropping from the top floors of the uh, tower closest to the highway, and uh, it was it was absolutely terrible. Obviously, they had two choices: to be burned into in flames or to uh, leap and end it all. By 9:30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Ordinary life in New York City had all but ceased, as millions of New Yorkers and billions more around the world looked on in shock and disbelief. But the horrors of that day were nowhere close to being over. The World Trade Center, tower number one, is on fire. The whole outside of the building was just and every available ambulance to the World Trade Center now. And a person comes running into the office uh, saying, explosion, explosion, explosion. His skin was pulled all from his armpits all the way to the top of the fingertips and pieces missing off his face. He said he's at the 105th floor at One World Trade Center. I'm on the 100th floor of the World Trade Center with 30 people, northeast corner. Okay, you, let me get you. You at 101st, 100th floor? 100th floor, northeast, 30 people in the corner. The smoke is very bad. Message number 51 concludes 0800 hours, 56 minutes and 12 seconds. American 11 climbing, take a level 350. American 11, Boston. Earth 7 Mike Lima, how do you hear? 
Mike Lima, had you line clear? American 11, Boston. Okay, my name is Betty Ong. I'm number three on flight 11. Okay. Um, the cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mates that we can't breathe. I, I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. American 11, if you hear Boston Center, ident, please, or acknowledge. American 11, Boston. American 11, if you hear Boston Center, ident. Roger's weapon, Sergeant Powell. All right, Boston Center, TMU, we have a, a problem here. We have a hijacked aircraft headed towards New York, and we need you guys to, we need someone to scramble some S-16s or something up there to help us out. Is this, is this real world or exercise? No, this is not an exercise manifest. Okay, I think we need to scramble Langley right now, and I'm going to take the fighters from Otis and try to chase this guy down if I can find him. Foxy, scramble Langley, head towards the Washington area. Hey, this is Dulles Approach Control. We're tracking a fast-moving primary heading towards the White House. The White House has been advised. All right, I'll tell them. Okay, okay I'll keep you advised. Thank you very much. 2134 Hey, Tower, just see that. Hello? Crystal City, just north of Crystal City. Uh, just to the north of your tower. Just please. Do that. Do that. Do you hear me? Yeah, stop all the parchers. Stop all. Yeah, it went in the Pentagon. Looks like it went in the Pentagon. The report we have is of a fire okay, and smoke at the Pentagon. United 93, wind 3307, runway 4 left, clip for takeoff. For takeoff, 4 left, United 93. United 93, checking in 350. United 93, 350, right? United 93, that traffic to you is 1 o'clock, 12 miles eastbound, 370. Negative contact, we're looking at United 93. Somebody call Cleveland. United 93, verify 3-5-0. United 93, Cleveland. United 93, Cleveland. United 93, Cleveland. United 93, if you're Cleveland Center, I'd have please. Alpha, it's Lynn. Um, I only have a minute. I'm on United 93, and it's been hijacked uh, by terrorists who say they have a bomb. Apparently, they uh, have flown a couple of planes into the World Trade Center already, and it looks like they're going to take this one down as well. Mostly, I just wanted to say I love you, and I'm going to miss you. <laughs> United 
Yeah, that transmission, he said, was unreasonable. It sounded like someone said they have a bomb on board. That's what we thought. We just, uh, we, we, did, we didn't get it clear. Do you see any uh, activity on your right side, smoke or anything like that? Yeah, we do have a smoke puff now at about, uh, oh, probably 2 o'clock. It appears to be just a uh, dark cloud, like a puff of black smoke. Receiving report of a 757, 15 miles southwest of the airport with a terroristic device on board. Street chief, uh, they're advising the plane went down in the Shanksville area. one about 80 miles south of Pittsburgh. These are the first pictures we have in. Uh, this is from Somerset County, Pennsylvania. This is where the United Airlines Flight 93, this was a Boeing 757 bound from Newark, New Jersey to San Francisco. It crashed in Somerset County, Pennsylvania near the town of Shanksville. South of Pittsburgh, we are told about 80 miles outside of Pittsburgh noise coming from it, but the engines were running. Um, I then saw the plane coming down at almost a 90 degree angle, maybe an 80 degree angle, and the next thing I saw was a big fireball and smoke. When it come down over top of me, I seen it go nose dive straight into the ground down here. We heard this noise in the sky, my friend and I looked up and uh, said, what's that? And uh, just going over, basically over our uh, horizon of the hill, it was this plane, it was completely upside down is what it was. Uh, the tail fin was down and it was going in at a sharp ascent, probably more than a 45 degree angle, closer to a 90 degree angle. Next thing was over the horizon, there was a big huge fireball. That's what it was, I'd say at least four or 500 feet in the air, fireball. The debris here is spread over a three to four mile radius, which has now been completely sealed off and is being treated according to the FBI as a crime scene. This is one of those cases where the pictures really do tell the story that sort of the most horrifying aspect of this particular crash scene is how little debris is visible. There is a large crater in the ground. That's really all you see is a large crater in the ground and, and just tiny, tiny bits of debris. There has been at least one report that the uh, investigators out there, and there are hundreds of them, as I said tonight, um, have found nothing larger than a phone book. I took the call over. There was a soft-spoken, calm gentleman on the other end. He told me that there's three people that have taken over the flight. At that point, I asked him his name. He told me, Todd Beamer. He was from Cranberry, New Jersey. I wanted him to think that he still had a chance. I didn't want him to feel like it was just totally hopeless and he definitely didn't have a choice and he knew he was going to die. I didn't want him to have that feeling. I felt that he knew at that time because he had said, oh, Jesus, help us. And then he said, Lisa, would you recite the Lord's Prayer with me? And I knew that he knew at that time that it wasn't much left for him to do. 
They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together, and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready, I assumed that they were waiting on his cue. Then they responded to him, and he said, okay, let's roll. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Hi, from the land that freedom forgot, the most to the Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. 21 years ago, September 11th, I hope everybody listened. I'm so glad Sandy um, spent all the time producing and putting that piece together, and we've been playing it for quite some time now, probably over 10 years. uh, Yeah, about 12 years, 12, 15 years. So I'm I'm so glad so many of our new listeners get to listen to that, especially Sandy and I were just talking before we went on air, you know, 21 years ago. How many of our listeners are in their 20s and early 30s that, you know, it didn't affect them the way it affected us as adults, Mm -hmm. you know, with uh, jobs and responsibilities, you know, I could... I can imagine if you were six, it didn't affect you the way it affected me. And uh, right. we shall never forget. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the interesting part about it is if um, each year I go back into the archives to look for uh, the original files that we pulled. And each year more and more and more just disappear. Really? Yeah. All the audio files. Because we, we used uh, live recordings live um you know um police and emergency calls and you know it took months and months and months and months to produce that piece and many of the uh audio files that were there are gone from i guess the internet archives a lot of our original places that we went back to try to find some some were really very rare some were donated uh some pieces were from you know, industry colleagues and things like that who had them. And um, we, most of the stuff that's out there is just completely, you know, it, it, each year. It's it's funny to watch how it, it dwindles and dwindles and dwindles as if it's almost being uh, intentionally removed or sanitized or, or whatever you would want to say about it. Well, I just want to say thank you for putting that together. And uh, now let's get into it. Um, I want to talk about... There's a lot going on in New Jersey right now. Uh, there's the state, a lot of towns and counties are still not issuing firearms ID cards for initial applicants. They're, they're, they're not issuing change of address cards because the new FID cards have to have a picture and a thumbprint. 
and I know Dan has been working diligently with the acting attorney general. Uh, there's judges uh, like in counties like Essex that haven't processed a single carry permit yet. There's judges in Bergen County that are being extremely overzealous, which, you know, um, wow. what happens is after you deny, you have to appeal. It's got to go to an appellate court. It's going to take at least a year until you get satisfaction. I'm going to talk about some of those cases today. Some judges are requiring uh, court appearance. Some judges are just signing them. Some counties, the prosecutor is getting involved where they're not supposed to. Judge is not supposed to get involved <laughs> either. Uh, Ocean County is uh, the judge is putting down an exemption uh, that where you have to unload your gun and you can't transport it in your own car, load it in, in your holster. So, uh, and I know people are getting frustrated, Sandy. I'm getting a ton of emails. It's been 60 days. I'm in Hoboken. I'm in Bayonne. I'm in Seacocus. I'm here. I'm there. Whatever. Uh, I have to tell you that. The two A groups and Strike Force, everybody is is on it as much as we can. And Dan said weeks ago, there's times to talk, and then there's times where you have to do other things. And it's getting close to that point now. Yeah. Uh, very shortly, there'll probably be some announcements and stuff. I can't say anything further, but believe me, I feel all of your frustrations out there. Uh, you know, and then there's people that do things that don't make sense. So this one guy lives in Essex County and applied for his carry permit. And uh, three weeks later, he decided to move to Morris County to a different town. And he's asking me if it's going to affect his carry permit. I'm like, yeah, you have to start all over again. Right. You, ha you have to start all over again because it's not like you have to start all over again, but now you got to get a new FID card too. Correct. You have to start. And he's anyway, but there's certain things you control and certain things you can't control. I will tell you this. Right. They're searching and combing deeper for the carry permit than ever that's ever been done before. All right. Yeah. If you have an FID card and you've purchased numerous pistol permits, if you think you're a slam dunk to get the carry permit, if you have any previous domestics, if you have drunken disorderlies, if you have uh, tons of speeding tickets or, or whatever, or other minor criminal history when you were a, a juvenile or something, there's a good chance this stuff may come up in court. And yeah. it may be a disqualifier. And again, it might be overturned in appellate court after you appeal it, but you're going to have to appeal it. And the other situation is that at now, if a judge says you're a disqualified person, you risk the uh, the the uh, the the crime of where they're going to come now and confiscate all your firearms. Right. So right. you better make sure all your firearms that you own are legal and registered and papered. And if you have any contraband, it's not in this state anymore because then you're just going to open yourself to more problems all right everybody was so excited to apply for the carry a lot of people didn't think hard and long about the ramifications if you were denied or more closely scrutinized you know on the application it asks if you're an alcoholic and one of our uh, gun for hire alumni put no he's a recovering alcoholic and has had a drink in over 25 years and the judge construes that as lying on the application now all the legal eagles i talked to said it will be overturned in an appellate court. So if you have situation or circumstances like that, you better run it past legal. All right, now we see in JFO with the J uh, Factor lawsuit is a huge lawsuit to overturn all of this stuff to get the judges and the prosecutors removed from this process. So you should go to cnjfo.com and you should donate to the Cheeseman case 
uh, with Jensen. We've talked about this. J Factor, uh, the J the Factor case, excuse me. J Factor was on the show last week, our 2A historian. He's also a plaintiff. But uh, we also have the, the five families, CNJFO is included, to get rid of the FID card, which will be a big help. And then the MAG ban was sent down to uh, the appellate court, which we're waiting. Dan Schmutter's working on that. And then our assault weapons ban case we're working on. And FPC has an assault weapons ban case, too. But, you know, again, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like, I'm getting emails. It's been 61 days since I sent my stuff to the judge and uh, to the town, and I haven't gotten a carry permit. Who do I sue? Okay, but yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah, you know, this is some, this is a little snapshot of some emails. Just received a call from the judge in Passaic County. My carry was approved by the state police. Unfortunately, he's making me fly back from Florida for a ten-minute interview. Price you pay for right to carry. Thanks for paving the way from the for the rest of us, James V. I appreciate it, James. Uh, the judge in Passaic County is requiring you to appear before him. Uh, whether he's approving or denying you. The Bergen County judge, if you get called to appear for the Bergen County judge, uh, you're going to be questioned in depth and possibly denied because uh, that's been his M.O. so far. Uh, But again, some counties like Essex, uh, they had a meeting Friday. I don't know what the outcome was yet, where they're going to decide how they're going to start processing the carry permits. And they have thousands of them, by the way. Now, unfortunately for those judges, Essex County is just not comprised of lower income areas where there's going to be classism. Essex County has a bunch of wealthy towns, too, and many of them are customers of the Gunfire Range, and they're all not happy right now. And many of them are huge political donors to the very parties Mm -hmm. that support those judges. So uh, people are growing frustrated. A bunch of them are high-profile lawyers that are ready to sue. So hopefully by next week's show, we'll have some information for you on Essex County and Mercer County and Monmouth County and uh, Gloucester County and a few other outliers right now. Uh, Mercer County, County, I believe, Eric Saperstein from CNJFO, he's the judge is waiting for further guidance from the state. (laughs) Ridiculous. Here's another one. And good show with Jay Factor. He seems to be quite the encyclopedia of two-way knowledge. No shit. I I enjoy listening to it Monday morning as I devour my two Taylor ham case pork roll, (laughs) egg, and cheese on brioche buns with salt, pepper, and ketchup. Salt, pepper, and SPK. He said, I also made a donation immediately afterwards to CNJFO. Thanks again for all your hard work for all of us. Chuck Mueller. Chuck, thank you very much. Make those donations. We got guys posting on New Jersey gun forms. They're going to eat peanut butter and jelly during the week. Uh, so that they can make additional donations. Well, go man, go. I want to hear that. Yep, that's absolutely. that's a that's a beautiful thing. So uh, let's go a few more letters because I have this massive learning segment that you're all going to have to trudge through here. So hello, I thought I'd share my experience with you in Bergen County Superior Court. After successfully submitting my carry application packet to the local PD and waiting a few months, I was sent an email advising me of a court appearance. Once I was in front of the judge, I began to, he began to question me about my driver's license abstract, picking specific offenses to show that I have no problem breaking the law. Then when questioned about my pending divorce case, he went out to state, the last thing I'm doing is throwing a pistol in the mix. Mind you, I already have two legally obtained pistols and other rifles, and I have no history of violence or assault. 
The judge also made it a point that he was going to scrutinize every single application and nitpick at everything, all in the sake of public safety. He went on to question the PD representative on to why no questions were asked about this or that. I can provide further detail if you like. At this point, I want to share the fact that Bergen County is not playing fair. Not that I think any of us are surprised by that. Objective standards are ruled are, are being ruled subjectively. I will appeal this appell- to the appellate court. All right. I just I'm not using his name because it's an ongoing case. But this is what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, this is what we have to be careful with. All right. I don't understand how you're a couple of driving tickets and you're in the middle of a divorce can decide whether you qualify for your constitutional right to carry. He already owns pistols. If he was going to have a violent outbreak, it would have been done already. Carrying it is a whole different thing. It's going to be overturned in appellate court. And you know what? A bunch of these cases are going to go overturned. The judge might get switched somewhere else by the time this happens. But meanwhile, a lot of damage is going to be done, right? Right. On the other spectrum. Hi, Anthony. Just sharing my experience with you. Handing my application to my local police department August 17th. Just got a call from the Passaic County to come September 1st to pick it up. I was approved in three weeks total. Thank you, and thank you for keeping everyone up to date with the information. George S. Again, this is all I get. Both sides of the spectrum. Constantly. 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 Depends on where you where you live, where you uh, go where where you live and what day of the week it is and which way the wind is blowing, apparently. And this is going to be their downfall. This is going yeah, to be their downfall. Exactly. Because right. you can't have There's it no this way from county to county. Right. So keep it up, guys and girls. It's gonna be their downfall. Hi there. I applied July eight weeks ago for my purchase permit. Although I have been a Approved without any issues in the past. I am now waiting for weeks with the Bayonne Police Department tells me permanently that I had to wait until the chief is going to sign and it takes longer than usual. He I told him oh, I told him what to do to contact them and ask firm, be firm but nice, and he got a response that they're backed up and they're processing it and they're working on it. Okay. So this is they're they're doing this everywhere. They're doing this everywhere. All right. I got another one. Anthony, we just spoke on the phone about five minutes prior to this email. You told me to email you about possibly using me as a plaintiff in a lawsuit against the state of New Jersey uh, AG for holding up my FID card. I took your course for the carry permit on 713 and went through notary at your facility and received the photos that you use for all the documents. I went through the process of getting all my references who have been interviewed along with the mental health background check and passed. I brought everything to the police station in Lodi and was told to obtain an address change on my FID card. Once I did that, I was told I now need a new FID card with a photo and a fingerprint mandated by the state. So I did that as well, and now they are telling me to have. there's no way to make my FID card, so now my old FID card is invalid, and I'm waiting for the new one, which has been two months now, and I have no way to purchase a firearm or ammunition. I hope we can get this all resolved, and thank you for your help. Sincerely. V. It's it's crazy. And this is Lodi. It's, yeah, but they can't do anything. They can't give them a new FID card. They, there's no way it's to issue a new FID card. Oh, my God. Because there is there. none. There, there, is no, right. there is no way to print one out with a photo and a fingerprint on it. It's crazy, <laughs> right? Wonderful. Yeah. Sorry, I'm wetting my whistle. So, while the AG is sitting on all of this... This is what we have an announcement to put me out of business. New Jersey appoints leaders of new firearms enforcement office, ladies and gentlemen. This is the next step, okay? Here we go. 
Acting AG Matthew Plantkin today announced the appointment of two supervisors who will be leading a recently founded office designed to hold manufacturers and sellers of guns and firearms accessories accountable when they endanger the health and safety of New Jerseyans. Not criminals. Not criminals. No. Okay. He appointed Rave Ramathanathan. Uh, most le- recently Director of Investigations of the Office of State Controller, OSC, and Jeremy Ershow, a litigator at the New York office of Jenner and Block Firm to lead the statewide Affirmative Firearms Enforcement, SAFE, office. This was founded by Murphy in July. I'm thrilled to announce a leadership team for our safe office that is uh, – accountable for the harms they caused our residents at the uh, journal uh, so we we caused the residents harm how many dealers have they shut down for closing businesses how many how, yeah, how, how right. none right let's right. let's face it none and so how about the shitbags who commit the crime how correct about them finally responsible correct so their combined experience in managing complex matters at both state and national levels will ensure that any corporations recklessly feeding the gun violence crisis and causing injury death and tragedy you know if they looked at the prisons and they looked at the court system Mm -hmm. they would have all their answers but we all know this is about gun banning this is not about lowering crime this is not about fighting crime right let's face it am i right or wrong Absolutely. So, so uh, this is the seriously, seriously, what they're going to do now. They're going to go after this pu- public safety thing because the Supreme Court already said you can't sue gun manufacturers when they're committed with a crime, but they can say now that there's, you know, that was there a threat to public safety by the way the manufacturers, the distributors, or the retails market guns. Okay, so, you know, because they sued uh, Daniel Defense when that kid used a gun to shoot and, you know, other issues like that. But meanwhile, we have all these other laws. Again, we discussed this a million times. None of this is designed to go after criminals. It's all designed to take the guns away from the law-abiding citizens. I don't know when we're ever going to have enough of this sanity i just don't understand and you know we're watching this closely because i'm i'm the big two-way advocate gun range gun store owner so the target is on my back bigly you know and 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 it has been because even even if you weren't they would find a way they loathe you (laughs) i love that which is kind of like a badge of honor listen to me i'm good i'm good bring it on bring it on bring it on bring it on so let's – I'm going to go right into heavy-duty learning because we have a lot going on. We have abductions and rapes going on, and we have a lot of gun issues in New Jersey and stuff that I'm getting a, a ton of questions for. And I think we all should be aware of this. So, you know, where can you carry a gun in New Jersey? So New Jersey law prohibits concealed carry in or on any location prohibited by state regulation or law, casinos, a vehicle without a firearms permit. So if you don't have a permit, you can't have it, you know, load it in, on your person. Uh, cruises to the Statue of Liberty, Liberty Island, and Ellis Island. Can't have a gun in state parks. Are any educational institutions. National or state forests and wildlife management areas, which is interesting, you know. Private property against the wishes of the owners. Firearms. So like if a bear is coming at you. <laughs> no, you give the bear the gun. Give the bear the gun. Yeah. Firearms owners should never consider any list of restricted locations 
exhaustive. Call ahead to ask about the firearms policy of any intended uh, destination. So where can you carry in New Jersey? You can carry in a bar and restaurant. You can carry in a place of worship. You can carry in a vehicle while possession of a firearms license or permit. You can carry at your place of business. You can carry at roadside rest areas or in your residence or land that you own. That's just a general thing. We will be we will be uh, addressing this more uh, as we progress in New Jersey. There's going to be a U.S. law shield uh, for what 150 people we're hosting with Napin in about a month, and he'll be answering a excuse me, a lot of these questions, and I'll be staying and listening to the whole thing and learning. And I heard his rant about pork roll last month, uh, last, last show, so F him is all I have to say, <laughs> even, though, even though I love him. So let's talk a little bit more about carrying in New Jersey. So in New Jersey, we do not have a right to inform. So what that means is if you're pulled over by a police officer – you do not have to inform that police officer that you are carrying a firearm, that you have a permit. Do you understand? Everybody understands that. Here's what I do when I'm pulled over by a police officer. If police officers pull me over, I pull over as far to the shoulder that I safely can, as far right as possible, making sure the police officer also has enough room where he's not in an unsafe place so he could pull over behind me. I open all four of my windows. I have dark tinted windows on my vehicle. I open all four of my windows. I shut the ignition off and I put my hands at 10 and 2 o'clock on the steering wheel. If I had a car that had a physical key, right, I would take the key out of the ignition and put it in a center console. Cops are very wary of that because they've had their hands grabbed in the past uh, were, and somebody put the car in gear and took off and dragged the cop at 60 miles an hour and let him go and let him roll, okay? So cops are very wary of that. So if you have your four windows open, your flashers are on, your key is out of the ignition, the car is off, and your hands are on the steering wheel, and the officer approaches from either the driver's side or the passenger side, you'll notice most times an officer will uh, touch your car in the back because they want to put your fingerprint on, on the uh on the uh, on the back of the car, okay? Because in case you pull away or something, there's there's uh, there's proof that they were at that car. Now, when the officer approaches, he's going to say license, registration, insurance card, and you're going to say no problem, officer. I you're going to say it's in the glove box or my wallet, it's in my hip pocket or my wallet's in my f- front pocket. How would you like me to proceed? That's what I always do. How would you like me to proceed? And as soon as he does, you open your wallet or whatever. This is not the time. You do not hand the police officer your carry permit with your driver's license. If I see this one more time online. Oh, man. uh, It's unbelievable. Listen, cops have chimed in. Some cops are active LE and they send me a DM. Dude, thank you so much for posting that. I can't. You know, because I'm on the job, I can't can't post that. But you have to. You just have to. Give them your license, registration, insurance card. Wait until further directions. See, the reason why you never go digging for your wallet or anything else like that uh, is because uh, it might look like you're trying to hide something. You know, look at it. For, look at it from the rear view mirror. You, you know what I mean? Right. How does the cop see right. you if your head is bobbing? There's another passenger or something. It, it, it looks scary. I never move. I, I'm telling you, when I shut the car off, I put my hands on the steering wheel. I just wait. Rain, sleet, or snow. I just wait. One time a cop pulled me over. Winston was alive. Winston was barking. The cop says, you could roll the back windows up. 
because the dog was like sticking out the window trying to get at the cop, you know, the yeah, stranger. Yeah, yeah. So I rolled the back windows up. I waited for direction. So now when the cop tells you to give me stuff, give your stuff, you hand it to him. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Of course, be respectful and everything. Now, if the cop says any weapons in the car, actually, that's a broad statement, right? So, uh, right. officer, I'm a, I, I'm a legal carry permit holder in the state of New Jersey, and I'm carrying a gun on uh, my right hip or whatever, and you have your hands on the steering wheel. Now, of course, you know, it could lead to a tense situation. Remember, New Jersey cops are not d- used to dealing with this. Yes, that's All right? right. And most cops are not gun people. Let's face it. So they're right. not used to this, and they're not gun people. So you wait for further direction. Now, I really can't give you any tips after that because it could branch out in five million ways. The officer might have you come out of the car. He might want to secure your firearm. Okay? I don't know. He might tell you to just stay in the car and keep your hands on the steering wheel till he comes back from the car. He might have a backup roll-up because they want two of them there when they take you out of the car, if they have to take you out of the car. I don't know at this point, so we'll be sharing more stories. Anybody out there that wants to share more, I'm, I'm open for it. But I'm going to get you to that as far to, as the finish line as I can with what I'm telling you. All right? And, uh, again, the cops know that 99.9% of people with a carry permit are most likely a law-abiding, upstanding citizen. But still, they have to be wary. And, again, New Jersey, we're, we're amok with hoplophobia, you know, fear, fear of people with guns and fear of guns. So I would just, you know, roll it back as best as you possibly can and uh, be careful. Uh, do you agree, Sandy? Absolutely agree. So, I, you know, my book, Crime Proof, on page 209, I had Knappen write a whole chapter of dealing uh, with uh, the police and everything, mostly from the House. But I want to deal with uh, dealing with police and asserting your rights. And this is right from Evan Knappen's orange book that you all know. And it's also one whole chapter. It's chapter. What chapter did I give Knappen? I don't really remember. It's still, chapter 14 I gave him. I didn't want to give him 13, but I, now I should have because he thinks it's pork roll. But <laughs> So, from Knappen, it is important to understand how to deal with the police. Even though honest gun owners generally support the police and believe that the police are our, your friend, complying with the police instead of lawyering up can cause major legal problems for the law-abiding citizen. Below is sage advice from attorney Evan Knappen. Read it carefully and remember to follow it no matter how innocent you are. SAC, a strategic air command, S-A-C, all right? S, remain silent. I assert my right to remain silent. A, ask for your attorney. I want my an attorney. C, do not consent to any search. Do not make any sign or any statements without your attorney's approval. Always be respectful, polite, cooperative. Do not physically resist with, under any circumstances. You have a right to remain silent. Now, I agree with that. And if the, if the officer says, well, step out, I would like to secure your firearms, you know, during this traffic stop or something. I'm waiting for Knappen or Dan or somebody to, you know, tell me what they think, which is which is fine. Uh and uh, what I would do is after that, um, you know, if they request to search your car, I would say no unless they have a warrant. Okay? If they don't have a search warrant, I wouldn't let them search my car. They can always get a well, warrant. Well, then let them go get a warrant. Okay? Right. That's, it. that's how I feel. Let, let, let them yep. go get a warrant. So, uh, so that's what Knappen is telling us. Okay? Sack. Silent attorney and uh, consent. Do not consent to a search. 
And uh, Nappin's always says the fish that opens its mouth is the fish that gets caught, okay? Yes, but, you know, right. the Sixth Amendment guarantees an individual's right to an attorney. By asking for an attorney and remaining silent, honest gun owners provide themselves with fundamental foundation for strong legal defense. Defense attorneys smile when they learn their clients stood firm on their rights. Say, I want my attorney. If you do not already have an attorney, say, I want my attorney. Requesting an attorney does much more than simply getting the accused legal counsel. Simply requesting an attorney causes, causes a wall of constitutional protection to spring up. This wall prevents further interrogation by the authorities. After demanding an attorney, statements obtained for, from further interrogation made without the defendant's attorney present cannot be used by the state as evidence. As long as the person continues to verbally ask for an attorney, this holds true unless defendants foolishly waive their right to an attorney. Okay, so I'm telling you right now. And we have to say, too, right, Ant, that they, they, there have been uh, police officers have been known to many of them, coerce by intimidation. You know, you, if you have nothing to hide, if, if you're not innocent, only innocent people don't need an attorney. Guilty people always ask for attorneys, you know, and they continue badgering. Yeah. If you open your mouth at that point, you lost. Correct. Now, let's talk about never consent to a search without a warrant. Do not sign any statements without an attorney's advice. You should never consent to a warrantless search. The key here is consent. If a law enforcement officer insists on searching you, do not resist being searched. Just make it verbally clear that you are not consenting to this search. Say, I do not consent to this search because they're all wearing body cams today. Okay. Right. Additionally, do not sign any consent form without the advice of your attorney. In some cases, the officer may be allowed to ask you to sign that you received the summons. This is done so that you don't have to formally attest. Additionally, if stopped while driving, you may be required by law to produce your driver's license, registration, and insurance card. Refusal of blood alcohol testing is usually unlawful as well. Check your jurisdiction's law for specifics. If a search is done without adequate probable cause, then the court will suppress evidence obtained after a hearing handled by your attorney, and the state will not be able to use it. When people consent to a search, then anything found may be used as evidence, evidence against them, whether there was probable cause or not. Yeah. Although law-abiding exactly. citizens may feel that they have nothing to hide, consider that people may nonetheless possess contraband that they otherwise believe to be legal or that others may have left our planet in their cars, houses, or even in their clothing. So... Not giving consent is not probable cause for search. Some people feel that if they do not consent to the search, the officer will suspect them. People are afraid of the inappropriate question, what do you have to hide? The actual legal question, which must be answered by the, stat by the state at court, is why did this law enforcement officer feel it necessary to invade your privacy and conduct the search? The question properly shifts the burden of proof to the police, as was our founding father's intention. Remember, the Fourth Amendment is there to protect our privacy from government intrusion. I am frequently asked by law-abiding citizens about what to do when pulled over in a vehicle when transporting firearms. There are two basic steps. First of all, make sure that all items are being transported lawfully. And secondly, be polite and respectful. Hopefully, the reason for your pullover is simply a traffic matter and will be handled as such without blowing up into a full-fledged car person search. The key indicator as to whether the stop is going to further is going further than a potential traffic summons will be revealed by the officer's questions and actions. If asked whether or not there are any weapons in the car, immediately be aware 
that you are in danger of becoming a victim of the gun laws. The question may be handled in many ways. However, my personal response is to ask the officer why I am being asked that question. The answer to this question goes directly to the issue of probable cause. Why are you being asked whether you have weapons in a car? Is it simply a fishing expedition on behalf of the officer, or is it because a weapon is in plain view of the front seat? If it is a fishing expedition, then that question is clearly unjustified. If there is a gun or ammunition on a seat, then regardless of your answer, you are probably looking at having your vehicle and person searched. The key here is not to give any excuses for a vehicle search. For example, items left in plain view, expired motor vehicle license, odd behavior, etc. If you obey the law and act in a practical and intelligent manner, you should be able to avoid vehicle-slash-person searches. The bottom line is we all have heard the Miranda rights given on various TV cop shows and movies. We have heard them so often that many folks do not even pay attention to them. Okay, the media has so belittled our constitutional rights that many naive citizens simply ignore them. Gun owners cannot afford to ignore them. Always remain polite and respectful when asserting your rights, but the key to is, is to assert them. Okay, remember, do not fall for the media desensitizing us to our rights. It is unfortunate that our rights are not taught in schools anymore. One would think something as important as that would be a priority, but unfortunately, it is not. Remember, I want to speak to my attorney. If a police officer tells you you do not need an attorney, that is a surefire sign that you need an attorney. I hope I covered enough there. Is it break? Uh, we can uh, do uh, housekeeping anytime. I do like. housekeeping now. That would be a very good time. I do housekeeping now. Marty's V-Burger. Marty's V-Burger.com. Check him out online or at Freakin' Vegans in Prospect Park on Freakin' Fridays. Marty's been trying for two weeks to get an appointment at the Total State Police Barracks to submit his carry paperwork in New Jersey. But he's getting the runaround sue because they're so backed up. Yeah. Sue's me. All right. Think about this. You better have, if you live in New York, NYTACDefense.com, NewYorkTACDefense.com. Mention Gun for Hire and get $3.50 off your monthly membership of $35 per month. In New Jersey, U.S. Law Shield. Use Gun for Hire, one word, and get 10% off your registration fees membership. Read the book, Decoding Firearms by John Petrolino, available on Amazon. Uh, and at the Gun for Hire Pro Shop. Of course, the Gun Lawyer Podcast is now called the Taylor Ham Podcast. The Taylor <laughs> Ham Podcast, exposing the truths about the laws designed to strip you of your freedoms. Check out Evan Knappen's uh, Taylor Ham Post. <laughs> That's great. Crime proof. Think like a criminal and beat them at their own game. We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, my doctor. OptimalHealthWellnessNJ.com. Dr. Joseph Sambatero. OptimalHealthWellnessNJ.com. Concierge medicine for a few hundred bucks a month. No more waiting in line. I just referred somebody to my orthopedic surgeon, Sandy. Three-month wait yeah. to get an appointment. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, three-month wait. Forget it. Lake Island Rifle and Pistol Club in Carteret, New Jersey, is looking for junior rifle members between 12 and 18 years old to learn firearm safety and to compete in small bore and air rifle competition. L-A-K-E-I-S dot org. If you're down in the Scotch Plains area, Zen Float Center, ask for Sharon Decker, ZenFloatCenter.com. Crossroads Kitchen with a K in Sandy's Neck of the Woods and Just Sean's, S-H-O-N-S dot com. Two killer restaurants. Put 20 pounds on Sandy, that fat bastard. 
since he moved down south. I saw the pictures. He looks like a mountain now. A mountain. Mortgage Unlimited. George T. at MortgageUnlimited.com for all of your mortgage needs. Donate to Guiding Range, G-U-I-D-I-N-G-R-E-I-N-S dot org, equine therapy, post-traumatic stress disorder, military veterans, etc. GuidingRange.org. Now, Jay Factor is going to be one of the speakers at the DC Project, the fundraiser. Go to dcproject.info. Everybody is going to be there except me. I'll be in Florida. Mark Cheeseman, Senator Durr, uh, Kelly Pigeon, and of course, Jay Factor will be speaking. Support those who support you. Sandy, this Thursday, the Fun League starts, the Gun for Hire 22 Fun League again. Sweet. It's going to be eight weeks every Thursday night. Gunforhire.com 22. Uh, forward slash 22 gunforhire.com forward slash 22 be there or be square uh listen to this sandy i asked my guys for the top 20 guns that we rent uh that we sell in a store and make sure we have them all for rent so we have the cz p10c nine millimeter the fn 509 C nine millimeter, FN five oh nine M nine millimeter, Glock forty three and nine, Glock forty three X in MOS and a Glock forty three S in non MOS. Mossberg MC two nine millimeter Ruger uh, EC nine S nine millimeter Ruger Max ninety nine Ruger Max nine nine millimeter six hour three twenty compact six hour three sixty five optic ready uh, three eighty AC in three eighty ACP six hour three sixty five nine millimeter shadow systems. Uh, Smith and Wesson six seventy uh six thirty seven air weight thirty eight for us guys. Smith and Wesson six forty two air weight for us guys. Smith and Wesson M and P nine shield uh ported, which is a beautiful gun. We got Hellcats, we got different three sixty fives, we got the Taurus M and P nine shield, the easy slide, and the Taurus GX forty nine and the Taurus G three C nine. The top 20 carry guns. We have over 400 guns for rent, but we have the top 20 guns that we've been selling. We have two or three of each in the rental department. Try it before you buy. We have over 1,000 guns in the gun store for sale, and we have over 400 guns for rent. So beat that with a stick, mofos. Okay? Come on down and try it before you buy it. Don't forget, October 14th, the Hunter Hills Playhouse. Go to nrafoundation.org and go. You want to go to the Friends of the NRA Dinner. It's the 29th annual fundraiser. I'm donating a ton of swag for Irv and all of those guys down there. You want to be a part of that. It's really, really a good organization. If I wasn't in Florida that week, I would be going to the D.C. Project, and I would be going to the, the NRA Dinner, but neither one I will be sadly be able to make, but support those who support you. So more learning before we get into my book, Sandy. A New Jersey woman found with loaded gun in her carry-on luggage in the lining of her carry-on luggage. In the lining? Yeah, it was Very put good. there accidentally. Oh, yeah. It happens to me a 38 lot. caliber revolver loaded with five bullets. Now, she claimed she didn't know it was there. What if somebody in her family hid the gun there? In yeah, the house. Be, yeah, you, you don't know. Ah, that right. Would be my defense. That would be my defense, too, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, she's probably going to jail. or and, and in fact, she's definitely lost her gun rights forever. And it's going to cost her mucho bucks in legal fees. And uh, it's a big problem. 
you know, that <laughs> we have to deal with uh, stuff like this. But, you know, there's no shortage of idiots, is there? No, there is there no shortage whatsoever. So I think by now most people heard about this Tennessee jogger that was abducted and raped and murdered. You familiar, yeah. Sand? Mm-hmm. So, of course, the left came out and said that she shouldn't have been jogging alone at 4.30 in the morning. And, Which she and maybe she been. shouldn't have been wearing the clothes she was wearing. Uh, nobody, uh, the left says yeah, nobody ever said that the guy who got out of jail four years earlier for uh, another abduction, maybe he should have still been in jail and she'd still be alive no, today. He, he, look, he couldn't help himself. That's what the problem was. You know, he just couldn't help himself. And since he was let out of jail... Uh, you know, he didn't have to help himself, so he helped himself. Yeah. So this dovetails into my book. This is back to college now. And you all bought your kids microwaves, refrigerators, and all kinds of other crap. Yeah, but exactly. did you buy him my book to read? Did you also uh, did you also instill stuff in them? Did you set up their dorm with a lot of safety stuff, their car, their bag? Did you get them a bug-out bag? Any of that. Everybody who is listening to the show right now, especially if it was the first time, if you haven't read Crime Proof, you need to. So – I had this debate with some friends and family members, and I'm like, you know, she may have still been alive if she had read my book. And they're like, well, the guy pulled over and overpowered her and threw her in his SUV and pulled away. Is it that easy to do that, Sandy? No, it is not. Unless you have, unless you're jogging with, with uh, sensory deprivation, like most uh, people do, especially she younger probably had people headphones on, days, right? Headphones on. Yeah, yep. so that's a no-no. It was in a cloud somewhere. But it could have been preventable. And what, what, what have I taught for years? Do we ever let the bad guy take you to a secondary location? Never. You fight to the death. You die on the yeah. side of the road. I don't care if he right. has a gun or a knife. If they put it up to you and say, come with me, I'm not going to hurt you, all bets are off at that point because you are now going to die. And it's the same thing, too. And you've spoken about this a number of times. If you walk into or if you're foolish enough to not look first and walk into an armed robbery at a 7-Eleven where you happen to be there making your coffee in the morning, stirring the sugar, and all of a sudden the place gets robbed and they say to you, get in the cooler or go into the back and they're going to take you into the back room. I'm not room, going. Right? Not going. I'm definitely not going. But so I don't know what transpired. Did he sneak on her and did he hit her over the head? And you know what I mean? And and knocked her out. But it looks like he pulled up and she saw him, you know. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, You see it a lot. I mean, it's just predators and prey. It's the same it's the same story over and over again. Predators know how to identify prey, but most human um, prey do not know how to identify their predators. Correct. So so we have this situation where she was abducted, and he got her in a vehicle, and he raped her in the vehicle, and then he, I don't know how he killed her yet. The autopsy hasn't come back yet, but... You know, situational awareness, conditioned yellow, 4.30 in the morning. He had been watching her because she had the same routine. Yeah, right. I mean, I cover all of this stuff tremendously, yeah. tremendously. Right. Was over. she carrying mace? Was she? Car- it's Tennessee. Why does she have a gun exactly. in a yeah. rip-apart fanny pack in the front? Why didn't she have a firearm that she could have fought back with? Again, people have these tools at their disposal, yet they choose not to use anything. At their disposal. Yes. yes. 
Yes. I, I just, I just, I don't understand it. And, you know, a, a lot of this would not happen if we did not have a catch and release revolving door damn, you know, criminal justice system where we just keep but letting people out over and over again. And you're absolutely right. We do. We do. And, and uh, you know, we talked off air about uh, I've been traveling around the country and I'm going from city, not real big city to big city. But I w- I'm in the state of Florida. I'm not going to say exactly where, but. I stopped in a number of cities, and, and I was telling Anthony, basically everywhere I went that I haven't been in maybe a year or two has changed so dramatically to the point that you could sense the potential violence on the street. And we're talking uh, places where uh, most tourists would go, and the level of predators on the street was palpable in virtually every city I've been in. So it is coming to every hill and every dale because for whatever reason it is, the world is upside down. No, it's completely upside down. It's completely upside down. This small sect of communist rich elites have taken Mm -hmm. our country and dragged it down to where I never thought I'd see it go. To be honest, I I was just telling you, I just read San Francisco... Handicapped people in San Francisco just filed a class action lawsuit against the city of San Francisco. They can't get around because these sidewalks are blocked by homeless people and drug addicts with their tents and their mattresses. And they've been spit on. They've had drugs thrown at them. They've had feces thrown at them. And they've been robbed trying to get because here you are. Could you imagine you're in a wheelchair and you're going through and these homeless people lunch. Right. Lunch. Exactly. And you're in San Francisco, right. you know, nobody's got a gun because, you know, nothing could ever happen to us here. Yeah, right. Because they're, they're all forbidden except for the uh, guards, the armed guards protecting the people behind those giant walls and, and guarded gates, which is exactly uh, the neighborhood I'm in right now, uh, where along the ocean front are nothing but houses that you cannot see behind giant shrubbery and uh, guarded gates. And just outside um, are the vagrants who are um, uh, Hmm. taking over the city, let's just say. It's horrible. I've gotten so much positive feedback from my book, and I I just want to keep sharing it, people. So for you cheap bastards that didn't buy it for you or your kids, or read it to instill in your kids as you're setting them up. I notice everybody takes the time on social media to post the pictures of, you know, it's Melinda's first day in college, and it's uh, JoJo's first day in college, and the picture of their dorm room and all the electronics they bought them and everything else like that. But, you know, the biggest thing is hopefully you instill the proper mentality in your children. Because you could buy them $10,000 worth of safety stuff, and if you didn't instill the proper mentality, you're you're not going to win anyway. And if you didn't instill the proper mentality in them, that means you don't have the proper mentality. So now we're really in trouble, right? Yeah. So when you bring your child to the campus or you're you're setting up their dorm room, as a parent, you should look around and make sure that all the hallways and fire exits are well marked. Check that security is, in fact, being used in the building. When you go to your child's dorm, there are some items that you're, sh- that you're sure you might want to add to your list. Most people will make sure that their children have a little fridge, the newest iPhone, and the best laptop. However, parents won't spend a few hundred dollars to buy them an additional fire extinguisher or an emergency ladder to throw out the window should they be caught in a fire on the second or third floor. How about a personal alarm that can go around a doorknob that can be set before they go to bed at night? 
These are items that we should also be thinking about. There's nothing wrong with buying your child a plug-in smoke and carbon monoxide detector to keep plugged into their dorm room either. I'm a suspenders and a belt type of person, and these are more devices that could be used to protect them. How about setting up a small bag of essentials for your child in case of an emergency, a.k.a. a bug-out bag? This bag should have light sticks, some MREs, meals ready to eat, uh, bagged water. Uh, all they need is a heat source, okay? They can be eaten at room temperature at well, as well. And other non-perishable items. For me, I want chunky bars, but that's just me. You should put some other survival tools in it, like a knife. Uh, one in their vehicle if they have a car on campus and another in their dorm room. To me, this is money better spent than a lamp or an end table or a new pair of shoes for your most valuable asset. The other thing you should do is check with the local laws where your child is going to school. If appropriate, make sure they have mace or pepper spray. I feel pepper spray is a great option for security and defense. It's very important that your child is trained on the use of force and how to deploy mace. But it's more important that the mace is kept accessible to them at all times should they have to use it. How many times could a date rape have been prevented if the female student had deployed mace in that situation? At Gun for Hire, we teach self-defense mace pepper spray. We start as young as 13 years old, and we go up to 100 years old. If you're 101, you're out. Of course, we always have the defensive pen. That's correct. <laughs> of course, there's other sharp tools, like you could carry a knife, teach your kids how to carry a knife or a defensive pen. These are things that you want to talk about. In improvised weapons, keeping their cell phone on, emergency tracker apps, things like this, teaching them to be in a heightened state of awareness. Take a walk with your kids around the campus facility and say, honey, watch out for that area. Look over that area. Make sure when you're getting in an Uber, you verify it's the Uber. Make sure you never leave somebody alone in a bar. Make sure you never leave your drink unattended. I mean, how many, how many things can we go on and on? over the years we've discussed on this show sandy does your kid have a couple of flashlights and batteries uh in in their dorm room in their bug out bag in their in the back of their um of their car if they have a car not on just campus. a flashlight on the iphone we've said oh that my god times. that's the worst the flashlight on the iphone nothing will suck that battery down <laughs> more exactly. uh, <laughs> than than that <laughs> i mean there's just so many little things you know additional locks for the doors and, and alarm systems and you know having a, a code word to get into the house to let somebody in uh and deliveries making sure it's a legitimate delivery listen if you're in a camp that you can't carry uh, pepper spray or something. If you carry a four or six hundred lumen flashlight with a thumb piece on it, that the thumb piece switch that turns it on and off, that's pretty much all you need to to blind an attacker to buy you time to get the hell out. You know, again, if you're approached by somebody at night, they grab your arm, and if you would pull that flashlight out and put it right in their eyes and try to burn their cornea, and, you know, some of those defensive flashlights have DNA collectors around them. So if you were to strike them in the eye, yeah, if you were to strike them in the eye, I carried a cheap-ass Phoenix. I know my guys give me all, everybody, I carry Surefire, and I carry this other, you know, they all carry these expensive things, my guys. Yeah, until they lose six or seven. You're all a lot younger than me, but, you know, when I got my flashlight taken away from me in England, England. Um, I didn't yeah. care because it cost me $42 and it has a triple A battery, excuse me, double A battery in it. Uh, it yeah. doesn't have a one, two, three battery, which costs three times as much. And But whatever, right. Right. that's that's up to you. You do what you want to do. But 
again, teaching your kids this, you know, maybe some martial arts training while they were young, even if they didn't show an interest in it, take them to a safety seminar. And, uh, you know, there's really nothing wrong with a little old fashioned spying children's social media. And, you know, maybe just keep it an eye. I know it sounds creepy, but if your kids are going to a local college, maybe watch their pattern a little bit. Make sure they are, in fact, doing the right thing. Uh, you can also test them. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that we should be focusing on, and most of the time we're not focusing on it. And when do we think to focus on it? We think to focus on it when we hear about a tragedy like this in Tennessee, you know, where uh, someone is abducted, raped, and murdered. She's 34 years old and the mother of two children. You know, yeah. now is the time where we think about, well, maybe I should take a class or maybe. So how many of you right now, your kids are set up in a dorm somewhere or an apartment off off campus. Did you cover any of that stuff that I just discussed? Is there a peephole in their door? Is there an additional yeah. lock on the interior door? Uh, I know sometimes you can't change the locks because management or whatever has to have access to the rooms, but you can put an alarm on that door when they go to bed at night. Is there candles in the room? Should you have fire extinguisher? Maybe two fire extinguishers in their dorm room. Uh, so I would like you to review all of that now. I know it's a little too late because they already you know, started school, but uh, go back and back and teach them get my book or read my book and follow the directions in there i mean you know for everybody out there that's going to be carrying a gun uh now are you going to have in your house and you're going to have in your car and you're going to have at your place of employment if you're carrying are you going to have some type of crash bag with tourniquets in it and a first mm -hmm. aid kit to handle gunshot yep. wounds or sucking chest wounds sandy what else needs to be in that bag sandy to clear an airway and stuff can you chime in just a little bit well, yeah, you can do. I mean, there are like nasal airways. Uh, many of the things that you really need, you you really should be able to. You really should be taking a course on this. And yes, I think one of the best courses you have. We have a stop the bleed. A, you know, stop the bleed yep. course. Stop the bleed course and a simple CPR course are going to cover ninety percent of, uh, of what you need. I mean, I, you know, guys like me or or, or you know, John Adine, whatever. We, I mean, <laughs> my wife laughs at me. I could probably do an appendectomy on the hood of my car but you, you can't, <laughs> we're carrying like you know intravenous fluids and things like that and things that may need and two and three of the things uh, just in case there's some issue on the side of the road or whatever and the paramedic may need whatever i, I feel almost obligated to stop and at least give one of my things up i'm not i'm not that gracious mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at least at least give one of the one of the spares away but it's 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 not just a single incident sort of a thing, and you know we have, um, as our listeners know, we have my wife and I have been traveling pretty much since the beginning of the year um, throughout the country, and we do I carry a you know regular first aid kit as well. Um, uh, American uh, Rescue has got a really good line yes. of first aid kits, and 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 they're they're good shit. They're not Chinese garbage and. Um, but again, knowledge, 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 knowledge. If you're in the New York metro area, you really need to sign up for a uh, Gun for Hire's courses are wonderful for this. Uh, the Stop the Bleed course, a, CP, a CPR AED course. These are the things that are the basic knowledge that you need to have. And then, and then from there, and if you're not there, then find one. Um, 
uh, the American Red Cross has uh, courses on CPR and that sort of a thing, and you can really good training facilities will be able to do things like stop so, the bleed. And, and but that think sort of about thing. your 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 sphere in life now. So if you have two cars in your house, yours and your wife's, you're going to need a small bag in each car. You're going to need one in your house. You're going to need Absolutely. one in your place of employ, let's say. Because yep. you never know yep. when you need it anyway. And you need to be trained in all of this. You know, meanwhile, we're debating holsters and we're debating right. Taylor Ham, right. which is pork yeah. roll. And yeah. we're debating, yeah. you know, uh, why is Ocean County 61 days, but Morris County is only 54.3 days or whatever. This right. is the stuff that's very, very important. Besides making sure you have either U.S. Law Shield or New York Tax Defense. And again, if you have an apartment or a house, you should make sure your umbrella policy covers you for any liabilities. And should you have to use a firearm in self-defense, et cetera, et cetera. And... Uh, I'm telling you. And these are the, 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 the non-fun necessities <laughs> yeah. of carrying a gun. It's not just the fun part or whatever, whatever is motivating you to want to have a carry permit. It is a serious, serious responsibility. And, and you really need the training. I, I, Anthony and I have seen over the years ridiculous things. Um, by so-called, what would you say, qualified <laughs> carriers? Yeah, uh, you know, but ridiculous behavior, and uh, a lot of very sloppy behavior that, you know, you you can't correct stupid. But now is the time to understand that with this, the, with this, I'm not going to call it a privilege, but with right. this undertaking, you have a tremendous amount of responsibility attached to that. Yes. And the last thing you should, you know, again, you know, we talk about, like I said, we have like in the store, we have these little like $30 safe, Sandy, they're TSA approved with the cable on them. You know, this is like fifth show in a row. I'm talking about it. They're the only thing that hasn't sold in the gun store. They're the only thing that hasn't sold. Oh, no, it, no. Uh, uh, ask me we about sold, surprise. We, you know, we run, we're running these massive specials on ammo for members and non-members. Everybody's walking yeah. out the door with a case of 9, 223, uh, 556, <laughs> 76239, 45 ACP <laughs> under their arm. Everybody's walking out with holsters. Everybody's walking out with their carry guns as soon as the Knicks are approved. Nobody has walked out with these little TSA approved safes yet. Nobody. Exactly. Okay, because nobody's exactly. thinking about. So no. I pull up to my daughter's school for parent-teacher night, and there's no gun allowed. So I'm going to take my gun. Now, if my gun is attached to my belt, so I'm going <laughs> to my holster. So I'm just going to take the gun out. Hopefully, my fingers okay. indexed. Where do I put it now? So now, right. am I going to go into the school with the holster on me, with no gun in it? <laughs> so I'm going to take my belt off. I'm wearing 36s right now, Sandy. I used to be 56, right? So when I was 56, and some of you were fat bastards out there, I know, because I was fat bastard status for 53 years of my life. So now you're going to lean over. You're going to take half your belt off. You're going to pull your holster out, slide it off the belt. Now what are you doing with it? If you have one of these little TSA-approved safes, you put the gun in there. You lock it. You put it on the floor. It's cabled to the floor, uh, to the, um, the seat post on the bottom. Put your belt back on, pull your jeans back up so the crack of your ass ain't showing, and you go to your parent-teacher <laughs> conference, I guess. You better start thinking about this. You better start practicing Absolutely. it. But that little case for 30 bucks or so, one has the simplex lock on it. The other one has a key. 
I fly with that case, and I keep the cable in it. And I think I told you this. I was going to – no guns were allowed. I was going on a backstage tour of Disney, and I'm like, where am I going to keep it? And I kept it in a hotel. I attached it to the frame of the bed, and I put, right. all the way un- I put it all the way under the bed. And then I asked the, uh, the, the hotel not to give me room service that day. Yeah, exactly. All right. And when I came back that night, my covers were still down. And the first thing I went was I pulled that that safe out and I opened it up and the gun was still in there. Okay, right. so that's 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 how I roll. Because the bed was still in the room. Correct. <laughs> now you could go buy a Volt Tech for three hundred fifty dollars. Okay, yeah, you could yeah. do it. You could do that. But we have those. But yeah, it's the only thing that that anybody that nobody's bought yet. You know, and and again, and I'm like, we got to buy a lot of those because everybody's going to want one. And every day yeah. I walk in the gun store and they're all just sitting there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever, guys. I'm good. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm tr- Human nature I'm tr- doesn't change. I'm, tr- I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying so hard. Uh, <laughs> but bless us all. Uh, but, yeah, read my book, Read Decoding Firearms uh, by John Petrolino. Uh, by the way, we're having another NRA instructor class uh, in October. Okay, Chuck Leonard and Luann are coming. Basic uh, instructor training and pistol instructor training. The last two were sold out. So if you want to become a certified NRA instructor, reach out uh, to info at Gun for Hire, and Chuck and Luann will get back to you. Tony Simon is back. Yes, Tony Simon is back October 13th. Atenzia Kali, pen and knife class, October 16th. You might want to sign yourself or your kids up for a class like that. If you haven't bought Crime Proof yet, think like a criminal and beat them at their own game. It's on CrimeProofBook.com, Amazon, Kindle, here at the, at the gun range. And if you come in, I might not give you a dirty look. I might sign the damn thing for you. Maybe. Sandy, Maybe. I'm out. I've had enough of all you. Oh, that's wonderful. And it looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun for Hire Radio. Gun for Hire Radio is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, author of Crime Proof, Think Like a Criminal and Beat Them at Their Own Game on sale right next to the safes with a cable on it in the bookstore, uh, which is actually a gun store, but we're calling it a bookstore for today's <laughs> purposes. We love you guys uh, from the shadows of the New York City skyline and somewhere on the coast of Florida. Uh, God willing, Jesus tarries and the batteries hold out. We will see you again next week. Be safe. Go buy a damn safe. Yeah.